Greetings, and welcome to Montessori in Action, a podcast for Montessori educators to remind you that you are not alone. I'm your host, Elizabeth Slade, and let's spend some time listening to what is in the hearts and on the minds of other Montessorians. Our guest this month is Amelia Allen Sherwood. She is a mother, educator, and anti-bias, anti-racist organizer. Amelia currently works at Elm City Montessori School in New Haven, Connecticut, as the anti-bias and anti-racism director. She has a vision to one day open an African-centered learning space that centers around Black children. It is her hope that Sankofa Learning Center can be a high-quality early childhood program that uses Montessori pedagogy as a tool, includes a Black homeschooling collective, and also acts as a healing hub for the whole community. Welcome, Amelia Allen Sherwood, to Montessori in Action podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, wonderful. So I was hoping you'd open by sharing with our listeners about your work at Elm City. Yes, so um, I am a founding staff member, so I've been here since 2014. I was working at as an assistant at the time, uh, and uh, I got pregnant. Uh, that first year and decided that I really wanted to take some time out of the classroom and uh, they really needed someone to do family partnership work. So I was the family partnership coordinator and then we had some shift in our leadership and Julia Webb became our principal in 2000, I think it was 16 or 17. And she was just like, actually, we really want you to be the dean of social emotional learning. You know the families, you know the children. And we really need to um, have someone in this in this role. So I was the dean of social emotional learning last year, and this year I am the anti bias, anti racism director. And really, what that just entails is looking at the Montessori pedagogy, um, thinking about uh, ways that it is beautiful and enriching and creates a space for um, holistic learning, and then thinking about the gaps in Montessori specifically in upper elementary and lower elementary, where their um, conversations are more in-depth, right? They're talking mm-hmm. about uh, different truths and history, and we want to make sure that we're creating accurate language and giving spaces um, for our social justice curriculum. Mm-hmm. Can you share a few insights of having done that work this year and with the lower and upper elementary curriculum? Yeah, so um, this, uh, specifically like in this moment in time, we just had a beautiful lesson study. Uh, We are in the month of February, and there's so many things to talk about around Black history. And we've had some um, focus and attention on some of the goals that we wanted to create for this month, right? Like we want to explore and have conversations around intersectionality when we're thinking about Black folks in the diaspora. What stories can we bring into our classrooms around trans Black folks, um, folks on the spectrum of LGBTQIA, folks that have disabilities, are uh, learning differences, things of that nature, like getting more out uh, outside of the box of just talking about uh, Rosa Parks and... Um, Martin Luther King, those stories are important, but we want to make sure that we're having spaces to talk about the unsung heroes of American history as well. 
Hmm. So it sounds like you're talking about expanding the Montessori curriculum at the elementary level to widen the scope. Has there been any work pushing into the existing curriculum, the existing lessons, the existing um, materials around looking at it from an equity lens? Will you talk a little about that? Yeah, so um, our uh, upper elementary guide, Ramya, Uh, She did um, just a remaking or just like a creation of the Black history timeline, uh, Black folks in history, and she created that timeline. And in parallel to that work, we've been looking at the timelines and thinking about how can we recreate them. Like there are some that there are some that are very beautiful and just like the timeline of human life, it is not accurate at all. Right. Like we know that the skin tones of the first peoples of this world were not white. So we need to make sure that we're honoring that and creating uh, spaces to um, revise and create new. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And has that worked pushed down into primary at all? Yes. Um, So what we've been doing in primary has been very special. We're looking at our geography shelves in a more anti-bias, anti-racist lens. We are looking at just some of the three-part cards that we amplify on a daily basis and thinking about how can we create new ones? How can we expand on some of the ones that are already existing? For example, we've done uh, lots of three-part cards around Black scientists, Black inventors, um, and even Black Montessorians. So I'm excited about that one as well. Mm, Wonderful. One of the things that's been on my mind in this um, topic is around identity formation and Mm -hmm. how much that's happening starting at our earliest point of connection with children at three years old when they, Elm City starts at three? Yes. Yeah. So as they're coming into the classroom, they're right there in the midst of their identity formation and all the way through and thinking about the ways in which we as adults every day are affirming or denying or Mm -hmm. stereotyping or undermining or that we have a big impact. Montessori tells us that of course, all the time in the absorbent mind phase, what a big impact the adult has. And I'm just curious how, what your thoughts are around children's identity formation during this time and the professional development or the work with staff around that. Yeah. So I think the first thing that we need to acknowledge is that we are whole adults ourselves and we can't do this work without doing the self-identity work, the racial identity work um, for us. And then we're able to create these really authentic relationships um, and authentic environments for children that are just learning about who they are. They're only 2.9 years old when they come to us or three years old. So it's really exciting to um, create a space where they can see themselves in the curriculum and then also absorb like a self of knowledge and self-love. That is one of the um, the highlights of anti-bias um, education and one of their goals. And the first goal that we always cycle back to is self-love. So always in, in giving children um, texts and books about who they are. And connecting with families is so vital to our work, right? We cannot do this work alone. They hold so much knowledge about themselves and what they want for their children. So we are excited to continue to partner and to see what they want um, in the curriculum as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how has that taken place? Has that been more individual connections or family 
um, gatherings or how has that work happened? Yeah, so before COVID, we had lots of discussion in person, lots of ways to connect. Um, we have been uh, a little creative in doing so now, but it has been more um, individual classrooms that are either surveying um, families in the beginning of the year, asking them um, if they have any uh, celebrations that they want to amplify and just make sure is in the curriculum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, in your role that uh, at Elm City, sounds like a big piece of it is um, helping to develop curriculum mm -hmm. as well as looking at the Montessori curriculum. What else is involved in, in your work? So another big piece of my work is uh, community engagement and going outside of our school and thinking about how we can partner with others. Right now, we have been in conversation with MTCNE about how we're partnering to um, uh, create anti-bias, anti-racism um, curriculum for trainers and for um, the training itself. So we're that's one of the components that we're really excited about this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And can you talk about the work that you do in classrooms? the observation and work that you do there? Yeah, so a lot of my work in classrooms is uh, doing observations for um, the whole class, looking at the environment, and then also specific individuals um, as far as like assistance um, and giving them critical feedback around best practices uh, when it comes to like their identity and self and how they're showing up for children, right? And then the curriculum itself. Mm -hmm. And do you have a tool that you use when you go in to observe classrooms? So right now we're in the early stages of creating um, some rubrics mm -hmm. um, and some criteria. So we do have um, some criteria that we use when we go into classrooms. Mm -hmm. So you use a tool and then you share it with the guide and the, or the classroom adult team? Mm -hmm. And then we have monthly meetings as well. I see. What happens at the monthly meetings? We would just have dialogue around the feedback, our next steps. Most of the time it's around like follow-up works. Like how are you um, following up with uh, the book um, that we did this month for our One Book, One School initiative, um, a project that we use to um, really amplify the voices of the global majority in um, books and literature. I imagine that some of those classroom observations might touch on what we were talking about before about the teacher's own identity work. Has that, mm -hmm. has that come up in your work with the classroom adults where a piece of critical feedback that you're offering is bringing up their own identity piece or their own yeah, unconscious absolutely. bias or whatever they're bringing into the classroom? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, what will happen is that um, sometimes because our staff is our staff is so um, kind of entrenched in this work that they have been deeply thinking about like what com compassionate accountability looks like for them. So they would be the ones sometimes to say, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that or I need to reflect on this or I need to um, go back tomorrow and have a conversation with this child because of something that I've said. But um, we're kind of in a phase right now where our staff 
is examining themselves and thinking about um, ways that um, bias shows up for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that two big considerations just in education in general, but also in our in our public Montessori sphere is looking at um, if there is a disproportionate number of black and brown children having sort of discipline referrals or time out of the classroom Mm -hmm. um, and also looking at the opportunity gap. And I wonder if that there's been conversations or thought or work done around that at Elm City. Yeah, so um, we've been definitely intentional about creating spaces for social emotional learning. We had a, a whole, um, I'm not the Dean of Social Emotional Learning anymore, but we still have that position. And it's one of the pillars of the work that we do with children. So it's very essential um, that we continue on that work. And we have seen so much growth in creating that team, right? Because it's not just one person. We have a support staff and our social worker. And because we have such a great team and a strong team now, we've definitely saw a, a decrease in um, children coming out of the classroom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So really pushing on the proactive aspects mm-hmm. of um, working in the social emotional realm before there are issues and incidents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how is it going in terms of opportunity gap and looking at assessment results and so on? Yeah. I think that this is a a big struggle for Montessori public schools in general, right? We are doing really good work, um, or or at least most of us, some of us, right? We're doing um, academic work and it's enriching and we're seeing that children's uh, light bulbs are coming up and then it doesn't necessarily show up on the data. And I think right now um, our team, our academic team, specifically Julia, our principal, is really honing in on like what are the direct um, interventions that we can give children right now to expand their knowledge, right? They have so much from the beautiful materials that are in their classrooms, but for some reason, it's not translating into our assessment. And we can go into, you know what I'm saying, the fact that like being behind is a social construct in itself, just like being in this space of that's not a thing. We know that as, you know, um, deep believers in the work that we do. And we still live in a racist society that wants those numbers and wants that data data to increase every year. So living in those both living in both of those spaces has been really interesting, um, especially when we are expanding next year. We have our sixth grade, um, so right now we have our fifth grade, and just all of that work has been really interesting and um, also challenging. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that Elm City has done some nice growth model, even just tracking your own shift in positions yeah. over the years to really develop something that's sort of holistically holding all of the children. Yeah, we hope so. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So my last question is about this vision that you have for a learning center. Do you want to share with our listeners what your what your next vision is? Yeah. So. I love Elm City Montessori School. It has been the foundation of the work in my leadership. 
And I'm really excited to think about uh, African-centered Montessori program in New Haven, Connecticut, that would serve um, three to six-year-olds. And we know the need right now in New Haven is infant-toddler, so we see that in the near future as well. But it would be an early learning daycare center, a Black homeschooling collective, and a space where uh, Black healers, Black healing uh, practitioners have space to do their work in the community. Hmm. Mm, lovely. And what's the projected timeline for that? My hope is like the ancestors are giving me 2022, <laughs> but that can always shift because ancestors don't have a sense of time. So they kind of move in the right now. So 2022, um, but 2023 looks promising as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it has been an unusual year. This mm -hmm. year, with many unexpected pieces, who knew we would be in this situation for a full year plus um, yeah. as we're walking through this? So it's, I guess it's nice to keep our timelines open, flexible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else you want to share? Um, I just want to share and encourage uh, the Montessori community to go beyond what we've been doing. I think if Maria Montessori was alive today, she would say that the work is not done and we've we've stopped what happened. So I think that this is just a charge. And if not now, when? So I'm, I'm excited for Montessori in the future um, and, and the potential mm. of the tool because Montessori is a tool and I believe that it is a tool for liberation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. That was a wonderful last closing piece. Thank you so much for taking time to talk today. Thank you for having me, Elizabeth. Our show is a project of Public Montessori in Action, elevating voices in the community to forward the mission. Our host is Elizabeth Slade. Our producer is Isaac Price Slade. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with others. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.